Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Episode 62 of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, She-Ra, Eternia, Theria, Nordor, Primus, New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK, mini-comics, comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, She-Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, that Mattel logo down in the corner. Oh, it's good to be back. I'm back again. I'm Matthew Dooch. I'm back again with my good pal, Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Uh, I, the intro this time actually made me remember the Kevin Smith, uh, Oh Bear, Oh Bear. Oh bear. Of his hand. I, I got to work on that still. After 62 episodes, you think I'd have something, but I, every time I just throw things out there. So. Well, it's better how than, you than doing? I, Better than when I had <laughs> Rob on last episode and he looked like he was ready to run. <laughs> You can see that I, I, moment in his face where he's like, what did I get in myself into? I, I actually enjoyed that quite a lot because he, he is, he's he's very much when I see him do anything, he he's stoic. He just sits there and he wants to impart the communication. He wants to impart the knowledge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that, it's like, if he had any sense that this was going to be a, <laughs> you know, a little walk, it, it, no problem, then bam, he just saw his lights, the lights in his eyes light back up and. It's like, yep. welcome to Legends of Grayskull, where we're going to just knock your socks off in the first 30 seconds of the that show was, with our intro. And that was a good uh, good little chat there. If you guys haven't heard last episode, episode 61, that I interviewed Rob McCallum. Uh, he's currently spearheading the Faking Filmation documentary. Uh, link down below. Go ahead and check that out. Um, but little update here. Um, so they smashed through the, uh, I think it was 65 thousand dollar stretch goal where anybody Mm -hmm. who pledged ninety nine dollar a ninety nine dollar tier or above uh will get a eight page mini comic tied into the return of faker which is really cool Mm -hmm. um they smashed through that and they are currently sitting at sixty nine thousand seven hundred and ninety seven dollars with 765 backers and 11 days to go as of the day of recording. So mm-hmm. they are just... And and today is Sunday. Tomorrow, Monday, probably be out by the time this episode hits the airwaves. Uh, they will be uh, releasing an $80,000 stretch goal. So I, I think there's a good chance they hit that. These guys are doing All phenomenal. Right. I would so, not be surprised. <laughs> yeah, so far we've got because thirty thousand was the base goal just to get a a, a bare bones documentary, um, and then fifty thousand was the big expanded full documentary they want to tell us. And I think there was something else in the middle there, but I can't remember. But they're they're just knocking it out. You can't even keep track. They're adding all this stuff. They got posters. They got sketches. They got they got the Viewmaster all as add ons. I mean, yeah. it is just. They are putting it all out there. You can get for as low as, well, I mean, you can pledge any amount, but for as low as $19, you get access to the full documentary and uh, the bonus features digitally. So, I mean, if you guys haven't jumped on yet, jump on it. 
Let's help blow this 80,000 stretch goal out of the water so we can get even more cool stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I, it, it's, it talk about, it's, it, it reminds me of masters. It's the little train that just keeps chugging along and the, mm-hmm. the little train that could in this case, which is great. And, but uh, I know I, I said it to James online, but you know, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy that right. this is actually going in, in a positive direction. So Thank congratulations you. to them. And uh, you know, thanks to Rob for getting this going. You know, yes. and, and finding a way to make this happen for everyone. So that's yeah. even more awesome, too. Yeah, and not only did I eventually get to see the return of Faker that we've been dying to see, but we also get a full documentary about filmation and Saturday morning cartoons and all the stuff that we, we love. So it's it's a yeah. win-win-win on our oh, end. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Very so. cool. All right, so what's, uh, what's new out there, Sean? What we got? Well, as of the recording now, although you said you might check it in, uh, <laughs> Legends of Grayskull podcast on YouTube has 699 subscribers somehow. We were at 200 only about two months ago. Yes. And somehow we are just, we're, we're doing what Kickstarter is doing for faking filmation. We're just going past all these like, oh, it'd be nice to get to 300. Oh, it'd be nice yes. to get 400. No, now we're almost at 700 subscribers. So, uh matt and i both want to say thank you to everyone who's subscribing and we're really happy that you're enjoying what we have to offer here as masters of the universe fans and yeah uh welcome it's been amazing and uh you know we've we've set goals before giveaways and stuff you know thank you all we really appreciate it i'm gonna say it right now with everything we've been doing the, the subscribers we've been knocking through it's it's a great validation that you guys are enjoying what we're putting out there we really appreciate it. We're going to continue working hard for you. And I'll tell you right now, um, next next giveaway, uh, I, I'm going big. You guys have gone big supporting us. I'm going big with you. 1,000 subscribers. That's our next giveaway. And that's only about 300 away, which is nothing. So get the word out there. Um, we'll, te- we'll beg again at the end. But for right now, like, share, subscribe, ring that bell. Um, and, uh, and... I think I I'm not ready to reveal everything yet, but I you guys will not be disappointed. I think we've been known for giving out some cool stuff uh, throughout our history here. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you everyone so far, and let's hit that next milestone. Let's get to a thousand subscribers. And I'll be honest with you, a thousand subscribers is big on a personal level and on a YouTube level because YouTube unlocks a lot of uh, specialty stuff at a thousand. So. I'd really love to hit that before PowerCon um, because one of the biggest things it unlocks is that we can go live on our YouTube channel mobily. So that would be really cool to be able to pop in with you guys, you know, cruising the floor at PowerCon. You know, who knows? Maybe grabbing, uh, you know, I don't know who all is going, but grabbing some names here or there, pulling them to the side, you know, and and just mm-hmm. helping helping all you guys that can't go, and I was there for many years. This will be my first year actually going, but just helping everybody kind of be a part of it um, while they're not able to. So if mm-hmm. we can hit that 1,000 by September, which I think is incredibly doable, um, we'll be in good shape. Definitely. So thank you. Thank you. Um, speaking of PowerCon, uh, they have announced – that that special book 
the He-Man Masters of the Universe Character Guide and Supplemental Compendium. Uh, it It's on sale through PowerCon, with, bundled with the toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And it is now 90% sold out. So, if you guys have been hesitating about getting it, you better get it now. Um, I got the links on the screen there, and I'll drop them down below too, so you can click them at the end. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing book. It's a supplement to the original character guide, and it's almost gone. I've heard rumors that they've started to ship. I cannot... And I did get an email from PowerCon, but it was blank. And I've heard of people saying that they got a blank email too. So I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but it sounds like something's getting ready to go here. So it should, if nothing else, it's right around the corner. So I, I'm honestly amazed that this thing is still available available for sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but it's cool for those of anybody who wants it. It's still there. I mean, right. be, get in there, there on that last 10% and... You know, book and and also again, uh, you're supporting uh, fans in the community who put the time and effort into the books. Right. So it's going to a good cause on that level alone. Yeah, exactly. This is where they get their the majority of their paycheck from. So check it out if you if you've been on the fence, you better do it now because all these dark horse books they go for a pretty penny. Uh, oh yeah. Once they're out of print, so check those out. Um, all right. Hey, you pick up a uh, Rise of Evil two-pack yet? Can't find them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I've seen on uh, on Facebook and many of the groups, there are other fans out there who are having the exact same problem with Target. Although, um, uh, actually, one post that I saw, I want to say last night, or maybe it was yesterday at some point, uh, I know it was someone that said he went up to somebody at Target and he specifically asked them. They went to the back room and brought them out. So if you're looking for the Rise of Evil 2-pack, that might be a way to go if you can't find it on the shelves. Mm -hmm. If not, I don't know. I mean, that that seems to be the uh, the grail of the moment right now for a yep. lot of players. Yep, and it's, it's going big dollars, secondary market, but... You know, and, and again, we had this talk when Origins first came out. I'm going to throw it out there again. These, I mean, even Target. Okay, they've got they've got their set reset days. So, like this this two pack isn't even really supposed to be out there until today. Actually, twenty fifth. That is that is when it's supposed to hit. So most of the people who are getting them already are acting on the kindness of stockers who are going in the back and finding it for them. So I just I I just say it's hard to judge how rare this pack is really going to be until it's actually had time to be out there. So mm -hmm. don't lose hope, guys, and don't don't pay two hundred plus for this thing. I mean, it's it's a cool pack. It's probably one of the it's some of the better figures they've done so far. They look cool. They're very you know two thousand reminiscent. The artwork on that packaging is phenomenal. Axel really invoked the old Power of the Evil Horde book, and uh, it looks great, but it's not a $200 pack. This isn't classic. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it's not classics. And uh, I will say that the Skeletor head that they included in this is probably the best version that I've seen of a Skeletor head in the entire line to date. Right. And I like that he even has reflective eyes. Mm-hmm. So yep. it goes one up than the typical Skeletor, that, which I thought was really cool when I found that out. Um, and yet one, one other thing uh, I noticed just the other day, uh, props to David Clark once again, adultcollector.org. He was posting up some of the new reveals uh, for the new, for the, for the upcoming uh, next yeah. wave of origins which included uh, Fisto, who's always been a perennial favorite of mine. But what I was really surprised by is that we have the new Evil Lynn coming out, who is the 2000X color scheme. And on her box, well, it's better, it better than the, the neon yellow that they, you know, the typical version. But yeah. on, the, on the box at the bottom, they actually have the 2000X Ma- He-Man and the Masters of the Universe logo, which basically right here. And that kind of shocked me since Mattel has been very distant about 2000 X. They only touched it a little bit here and there with certain figures in even the classics line. So that interested me on like a, well, what else might we see coming out? That's a 2000 X version. Now that we got Keldor, we got Cronus and now this. Hmm. So uh, it still hasn't ignited a passion for me to want to collect Origins. I'm still that guy, but it has made me at least want to see more of what they're going to do because the two-pack and now that has now, it's like, okay, now you got my attention of maybe a He-Man, maybe Skeletor, but it, we'll see. We'll have to see what comes up, but yeah. I was very surprised by that just this week. Yeah, and they are they are digging deeper. I think classics really proved to them uh, how deep they can go with this line. Yeah. And and people will buy it. So they are, because I know there's also uh, the Green Goddess is supposed to be coming out down the line too in next one or two waves. Um, Okay. So yeah, they're really... They're really digging deeper than I would have thought they would. All right, so I got it up here uh, right off Master of the Universe Origin fans. One of David Clark's 995,634 uh, Facebook groups. Uh, so, yeah, so the next wave's been shown. It's the Evelyn, the Fisto, Faker, and the Lords of Power Merman. So, Lords of Power Merman, he's got less paint apps. And he's more of a green from these pictures than the blue that came in the five-pack from PowerCon. Um, Faker looks... It's a repainted He-Man with Skeletor armor. Um, It does look like they're using that vintage-inspired head from the Battle Armor pack and not the uh, Surfer He-Man that came out originally. Mm -hmm. The Spigoli. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then you got Fisto and the Evil Lynn. Let me flip through mm-hmm. here. They got some. So there's a close up of Merman. Um, there's all four of them. This off looks like the Toys R Us uh, Canada website is where these leaked from. Close up of Merman. Close up of Fisto. I mean, he looks like Fisto. I, I don't. It's mm-hmm. got those bulky tabs on the armor, which will. Uh, it's removable, so great, but, you know, it looks bulky, kind of like Seahawk in the classics line, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Evil Lynn, 
So like you said, uh, the biggest thing for me, though, yes, she does have the white skin, but she's got, like, a black helmet and, like, a, a light purple armor, and that's that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, I mean, I guess you could call it 2000 Evil Lynn, but it really doesn't look like 2000 Evil Lynn to me. And... What do you? How do you feel about that Masters of the Universe the 2000X logo on the bubble? Uh, I it got my attention because you know, like as a kid, vintage. I still love vintage to for the most part because I grew up with it. But 2000X raised the bar of what you can do, and so it shocked me on a Mattel's doing this because it was kind of. I always took it as never speak of this again you know and like you said yeah. classics managed to get like they had zodak come out they had king chubla um lord dactus and some of the other uh, um count marzo and, and figures like that come out and uh and even the uh the head pack and stuff right. so there was like a we'll, we'll dip our toe in the water with that but this actually having it right there on the bubble the, when i saw it the other night i was like holy crap like they're really that's representing at least compared to oh we'll put a little like extra head into the the, the thing it'll be it, oh here's the 2000x evil in head yeah. and people find out once they open it up and it's not really a big deal so i feel like that's a little more fanfare than i would have expected i guess for me just the biggest thing is it's not a faction you know it's 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 a it's another line so, like all the other all the other stickers on the bubbles was always you know evil horde you know snake men. Uh, you could even make the argument for Princess of Power, I guess. But even that one, I didn't care for. I actually liked when Classics later it was a sticker sheet, but they came out with that Great Rebellion sticker, you know. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, this is supposed to be like the mass retail line. So to me, this is unnecessary because you're not, like, no kid's going to go down the aisle and be like, oh, good, there's a 2000X Evil Lynn. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be like, oh, there's Evil Lynn. Why does it say Masters of the Universe? Like, Master Universe up top in that 2000 logo, Master Universe, it's going to make no difference to a kid just discovering this for the first time. So True. it's, you know, I know it's splitting hairs, but to me, it's, it's right back there with the with you know what is this line is it for the adult <laughs> collector or is it for kids because they're still doing this weird like bridge the gap kind of thing where they can't decide who it's for yeah and on top of that this wave i mean right there you have two characters that most people already have from the right. previous waves and that it's almost like when uh, when Super Seven put out the uh, William Stack collection, yeah. and instead of giving us an evil Lynn or something, we got Karg again. Right. And most people were like, "Why are you doing this to us?" And in the case of this, I agree completely. Like, if I was collecting this line, I'd be like, "I already have an evil Lynn," right. and the evil Lynn that is associated to what I would consider origins would be the very bright yellow skin evil Lynn. Right. And same with Merman. Merman did not look like that in the vintage line. And when I when I go down that rabbit hole of my OCD <laughs> about that, that's what I would want is I'd want the, give me the first release uh, Merman, I'm good to go. You right. know? So it is a very weird 
it's it's uh is it a collector line is it for kids right. is it for people that haven't had a chance to get into classics and now here's your chance because i feel like there's almost an element of that with classics had the uh the green merman but then they had the toys r us right. two-pack blue merman and you know like when i was getting into classics the blue one was the one i wanted more because i never had that as a kid so yep. you know there's like that whole I, I don't understand the mentality. I never will with this line because with them not having, and, and I'm not trying to get into divisive <laughs> people out there, but, but it really is like, at least in the case of having Scott Knight, like with classics, there was at least a point person to go, here's somebody I'm going to tell this to, you know, or whatever. And he was a face of it. Now it's like, I don't feel like it's almost like if you call Mattel, You'd be on hold for hours trying to find who the people are that are associated with this. And, you know, there's nobody there as this is the person you could direct any questions, comments, concerns towards. Right. No, I, I agree. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's, to me, it's too early for this. Like mm-hmm. you just released Merman in the wave prior. Okay. Evelyn was in wave one. This is technically wave four or five. But the way they're pumping these out so quickly, it's like, this is way too early to be throwing, you know, especially another Merman. Evelyn, maybe not as much, but I guess the thing is, she's one of the ones that can still easily be found. So, mm-hmm. I, to me, it's 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 got 2000X writing all over it again, where it's like, yeah. okay, we're pumping out these variants. I mean, when I was a kid, variants were like, that's what my aunt would get me for my birthday. Like she, you know, more so with turtles than he man really. But like, that's where I got my, you know, undercover Donatello. That's where I got my space cadet Raph. It was like birthday presents of somebody going down, you know, a family member going down the aisle and being like, Oh, he likes turtles. Here's a turtle. You know, but my mom, she'd be like, no, you have he man already. Why am I going to get you, you know, Mm -hmm. Flying fish, he man. You know why you've got that? Because you know, with us it's different, obviously, because we grew up with it. But especially for our parents, it was always it was always like, why would I get you another one? You know, mm-hmm. foot soldier. I wanted so many foot soldiers mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up, and I was always like, no, we we got the foot soldier already. I'm like, but mom, look at TV. There's like, there's armies of them. Oh my god, army building. My parents could never wrap my, their heads around army building. <laughs> they never understood why I would want, you know, a hundred horde troopers or fifty foot soldiers. You know. Yeah, I was lucky. Like what, the only one I can remember that my mom was cool with me doing, I think it was Star Wars. She got me. I think I might have had three or four stormtroopers to have nice. with Vader. And that was it. Like everything else, it was pretty much. Yeah. I, I was a once and done with everything else. So, right. So I don't know. It's like you just released a merman. Now you're releasing another one. This line's supposed to be for kids, you know. But you know, release the original characters. And uh, well, it, it, uh, also, you know, added on to that, it's like okay, you know, like I said, you had Fisto, and um, and now we got Faker. Right. At least with this, which Faker is already a repaint. So that to me is already like the only one you have to look forward to if you 
if you're getting the new ones or is Fisto because he's going to have brand new stuff going on. Right. And it's like, well, we, we just had the Mr. T figure with both Fisto and Jitsu hands. How is it that Jitsu isn't a part of this wave? Yeah. You know, where's, where's, uh, where's Clawful? Where's Whiplash? Mm-hmm. Where's Too Bad? All these figures that they are ones that I'm sure collectors would rather see on their shelves first before they start getting a variant of Evil Lynn of all characters or right. a variant of merman of all characters you know like in that way i'm like there's always that feeling when i when i think of how mattel does stuff now there's always the i don't get it and i right. don't know if i can follow what you're doing so i just i i see the news and i go okay and then i'm off doing something else then so there it is yeah <laughs> i so. it, i i i try to understand it but this one for me is like you got two variants in the same wave. You mm-hmm. would at least figure they'd, they'd make one variant for one wave and the next one for the next wave, at least to, right. so that they're not bulking them in there. But yeah. Yeah. Only time will tell. We'll see. Exactly. All right. So next we have some new comic books. There's one. There's the other. Actually, the same one. So they finally, finally released information <laughs> on Masters of the Universe Revelation, the prequel comic series from Dark Horse, which was a big surprise. As everyone, uh, as, I, as I've been pointed out, thank you, Yuka, uh, everyone just assumed it was coming from DC because they have held the license for so long. But if you go back and listen to the PowerCon panel from last year, they technically never name a publisher. So, uh, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I don't know if DC's lost the license or what. But this Revelation series is definitely coming from Dark Horse. And it seems that was always the plan. Um, so, this is going to be a four-issue miniseries that will lead directly into the Netflix show that's supposed to come this summer. The first issue will drop on July 7th, 2021, and will feature a regular cover and a variant cover. And this has made the world explode. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. This week has been... This week has been Art Appreciation Week. <laughs> yeah. Let me pull up the names here. I closed out by accident. All right. This four-issue limited series is written by executive producers Kevin Smith and Rob David and show writer Tim Sheridan with art from Mindy Lee of Crimson Lotus fame. And the covers for the first issue are by Stepan Sedgwick. And Mike Mignola. So, I think everyone's pretty cool with the Stefan cover. Which is basically just, it's it's He-Man holding the sword aloft. It's Skeletor in the background. Tila and Evil Lynn flanking. Uh, you see some vehicles in the background. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a nice cover. I love this, the regular cover. You got it up there? Oh, I'm I'm doing a search for Mindy Lee because I I yeah I don't know even... I don't know her at all 
I don't know Crimson um, Lotus either. That it doesn't sound familiar. Okay, I'll get into that in a second. Um, right. But the regular cover, sure. The regular, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm going down a whole different rabbit hole here. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to do something here real quick for you, since I'm on my computer and we're recording. So here is something to send your way and check it out in messenger when you get a second um all right so uh the regular cover is and i i never know how to say his name is it sedgick sure steven steven the, the, the or stefan or what however you say his name um, and I, I, yeah. i'm very sorry that i i do not know how to say his name uh again it's always the mispronunciations or something that drive me nuts. So I feel very bad that I never learned how to say his name. He has been doing, um, he's been doing a lot of fan art on his own in the masters community in the last, I want to say close to 20 years. He had a lot of like epic looking, um, uh, art that he did. He had one in particular where it was He-Man and Teela kissing, and there was a bunch of like uh, rotons and stuff coming towards them in the sky. Oh yeah, yeah, I know one and about. stuff like that. And he had one with Shira, where it's Shira and she's standing in front of the entire evil horde in the fright zone and stuff like that. Um, so it just seemed a natural fit for him to do this, since he is a comic book artist as well and a cover artist and stuff. And that one's all right. That that one doesn't bother me. I I'm not blown away by either of the covers, to be completely honest. Um, because it, it's like when, when he does a cover in particular, I kind of know what he's going to do because his style is just, that's always his style. Right. So just, this is exactly. What no, I'm it looks expected. good. If, if it's masters very well. It, yeah, it yeah. does. It does. And, now, and it was fun to see um, not, not only the H harness with the battle mm-hmm. armor harness now for He-Man, which really nice. I know a lot of people are like, wait, they're doing that. And that's a big surprise to a lot of people. And uh, we're also getting a glimpse of the possibility of, I guess, what Teal is going to look like on the show because they did update her look uh, and we haven't seen anything for her until that reveal as well. Right. No, she looks really nice. I like the... Uh, I mean, it's, it's Tila. Glance at it's Tila. It's more armored, but it's still incredibly Tila. It's a very well done uh, look. And even the Evelyn there. That is Evelyn. I mean, yeah. she she looks like Evelyn. That's a nice... The outfit's very reminiscent. Same with Tila. They're a nice mirror image of each other like they always have been. So honestly, I think this lends credence mostly to Matt Rodriguez's theory that that Evelyn toy that was leaked is going to end up being like a, uh, a an Evelyn down the road. Like maybe whatever happens in this comic makes her have a falling out with Skeletor and then by the time the series picks up, you know, she's, you know, doing her own thing, and that's where we see the waterbender uh, costume, so. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, and now, I I've, know that- I've got up on screen here the image you sent me. What is this? This Skeletor is- and Evelyn looking very, almost Rocky and Bullwinkle to me off the top of my yeah, head. and. And I wouldn't use that as the guideline of how the actual book will look. So I, I want to preface that. Uh, but Mindy Lee, when you do a Google search for, uh, I did Mindy Lee Crimson Lotus just now because I have right. never heard of this artist. 
Uh, my apologies to Mindy Lee for not knowing who you were until right now. Um, her style is probably going to make people not the most happy with this book because I, with the stuff that I see, it's, it's like, this is not stuff that a master's fan that, that is a old school fan is going to probably look at and go, Oh, this is what I want to see in these comics. And if you judge it based on the exterior art on the covers, you might open it and go, what is this? And that now is like, that she's, isn't helping me to be like, oh, it's more like, oh, crap. Now we're she's got more. some varying styles, though. I'm, I'm she, scrolling. She does. I'm scrolling through some stuff here, too. Let me send you one I found. Um, she's got some different stuff going here. Obviously, her style is very exaggerated. Almost, almost Bruce Tim, but exaggerated even more, it seems. Like, big... You know, big hips, skinny calves, um, very stylized. But then she's got something like, like I just sent Sean, and I'll pop up on Which, the screen. Which, that's pretty darn cool. That, so. let me get up on screen for our viewers here. I'll swap this out. <clears throat> but this one looks like very, a... like that could be a master's character there. It's a guy in dragon armor with like horns yeah. and a big staff. Like, the books looks like that side of it, I'm, you know... Okay, yeah. so at least she's got some range, obviously, and it's good art. And no matter mm-hmm. what, the the Skeletor Evil in I popped up there first, or this one, that's just good art, regardless. Mm-hmm. So that's that's nice. Uh, and speaking of good art, <laughs> Sean, what do you think of the Mike uh, Magnola cover? Um, I actually, but I feel like that is a reuse of something because I know I've seen a very similar layout in the last yes. couple years from him. And somebody actually uh, on one of the groups over the uh, or at the end of the week, they had one where here was here was Fisto, here was Merman, here was yes, Tina he's Skeletor. Last, he's done similar things. Last summer, he did a bunch of random uh, properties uh, for a charity. And they were auctioning off. And the He-Man and Skeletor you see on this cover are very much that. Um, Mm -hmm. The charity poses. He's changed a few things. He gave He-Man the the larger brace on the left arm, like Mm -hmm. we've seen with all the Revelation stuff. Um, He gave him the H on the harness. Um, the Skeletor looks almost exactly alike, but I think he had the sword in the original one he did. I, I also think he added the cape on this one. Yeah, that could, be. that could be. He didn't have the cape originally, because mm-hmm. I, I did see it the other night, and I noticed that right off the bat. But um, it's, I think it's definitely safe to say he did those charity work, and then Mattel was like, or Dark Horse was like, hey, you want to do a variant cover? You know, and he he mm-hmm. obviously repurposed what he'd already done. And uh, as everybody knows, Mike is Hellboy creator, I believe. I know he's definitely the artist on the book, but I think he was the uh, creator. He, he created Hellboy, yeah, right. That's his that's his deal. So this is He Man and Skeletor in Hellboy style. Do I like it? Eh, not necessarily. Is it good art? Yes, absolutely. And I'll let the artist talk a little bit more on that. <laughs> yeah, throw it on me. Um, honestly, like I, I was somebody that when I was growing up, Mike Mignola's stuff was 
over my head. Yeah. And it took me until like my early twenties to finally get what he was doing with his style. And I really got into it more. Um, in the case of this cover, I, I wouldn't say that this is one that I would show people and say, this is an amazing example of Mike Nagnola's work. I think if you, if you show his Bram Stoker's Dracula adaptation, he did in the nineties, that is amazing. Both the storytelling and the style of creating the mood for a horror movie. Or if you look at Hellboy, I think those are perfect examples of this is what he does. I, I agree with some of the people where He-Man just doesn't work on this cover the way that you would expect He-Man to look, especially when you have a character like Hellboy that he's known for. And Hellboy's big and bulky. I'm like, right. I kind of wished it was more like Hellboy-esque with the, the big, meaty uh, torso and the arms and all that stuff. But there is something to be said about him doing this in this um, for the brand that I'm like, that's kind of cool that they got someone who is a legend in comics right. to do this cover for a legendary toy line, you know, right. and a legendary story. Uh, but, but I, I'm more of a fan of how the Skeletor looks than He-Man at this point. But yeah. I also, I didn't look at it and go, Oh, this is complete garbage and just or yeah. whatever. Um, it's just, that's the, the style of a person. And, and I think across the board since, God knows when we've seen how many different people have how many different takes on these characters. Uh, we have people like Gerald Perel who are doing yep. like, you know, here's what, here's what the next level up from like an Earl Norm for our era would be, or here's somebody like, uh, I know, um, uh, I, and again, I can't say his last name. I, I know his first name is Marco. Um, and his last name starts with a D and he, he was like a, a, a guy working for Marvel for quite a while and he went off on his own and he did his own version of masters because he likes the brand. And most of his, most of his stuff, I was like, I don't like any of it. Like he had right. He-Man being very slender and he had, uh, like, he even had like feathers in his hair or something at one point, yeah. it was more tribal. And then his Skeletor looked like Marilyn Manson with his face pulled off and stuff. I was like. That doesn't work. So it's, you know, artist interpretation. It's whatever, whatever an artist wants to put into it, yeah. whatever their take on it is. And that's just how it works. And the thing is, it's the variant cover guys. Like there's been yeah. a lot of hate thrown out at this, but the variant cover is just supposed to entice people to, to buy a second copy or to get somebody who, like you said, someone who likes Hellboy, and they're like, oh, that's cool, Mike did a He-Man cover, let me pick it up. You know, that's mm -hmm. all a variant cover is supposed to do. It's supposed to get that additional sale. Now, if this well, was I... the style of the book, or if this was the main cover, then I could see the anger. But guys, it's a variant cover. This has been going on since before time began. Every, every run of He-Man that's done variant covers has had a cover where I'm sitting there going like, oh, this is not my style, you know? Yeah. Exactly. But and it is what it is. It's supposed to get an extra sale, you know, and as you, long as it does that, it's good. Usually, um, when I worked at a comic shop, usually variant covers are per however many number of the normal cover or right. the, the the actual cover are being sold, and then you get X amount of variant covers per the bulk sale of the originals. Right. So there's no guarantee that that is going to be something that you're going to get anyway. And you might have to ask specifically to have that cover or whatever. And 
I don't know. We're, we're just in a time where there are too many. And, you know, here I am on a podcast saying <laughs> we're, we're in a time where because of social media, it makes it so easy for fans to be going crazy about this stuff. And yet at the same time, it's like, but there are probably reasons that they would do this. Like Dark Horse, part of what makes Dark Horse Dark Horse was the fact that they they rose to fame in the in the actual like uh with movies hellboy was a huge part of that right. who created hellboy mike mignola Hell, mm-hmm. hellboy and mike mignola have been synonymous with dark horse for over 30 years now right. so of course that they're going to go to a creator that has brought them as much uh popularity and go hey can you do this for us because we're trying to make something else popular again and there you have it. I, it's, I don't That's think that it. they're trying to sabotage anything. I think no. they're actually trying to make a fan at the comic shop who maybe wouldn't even know He-Man's coming out. And then they go, wait, there's a Mike Mignola cover of that? That's pretty cool. Yep. Holy crap. Mike Mignola is associated with, with Masters of the Universe. That's yep. great. You know? And then they've done a really good job, I think, of on both covers. There's a nice big burst, Exploding Rocks, that says the official prequel to the upcoming Netflix animated series. So they're really, they're pushing guys. I mean, no matter what, no matter everything else, they are, Mattel is pushing for Masters to be huge again. They're doing everything they can. And I'm just hoping that, like you said, everyone can complain, everyone can throw their opinion out online. I'm hoping that Mattel just stays their course, follows their plan, whether I agree with it or not, but I... I don't know. I'm not in that business, so who am I to judge? I'll keep giving my opinion, but at the end of the day, stick to what you're doing, Mattel, because everyone's talking about Masters right now. There's so much coming out, and you've got... You're on the right track, I think. Mm-hmm. No, oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. breaking well, news. Uh-oh. Here we go. I just got a notification. On the Brink 87 has just subscribed to your YouTube channel, <laughs> bringing us up to, wait for it, because I don't get notifications for every subscriber, only if they allow it, Legends of Grayskull Podcast is officially at 702 subscribers. Whoa. So thank you guys. <laughs> Cheers. We have busted through. <laughs> You and I talked about this when we were about to record. We're like, we're going to miss 700. It'll be 702 or 710. And we'll be like, oh, that's awesome. We, yeah. didn't, hit, we didn't get 700, but we got even more than we hoped for. So thank you. That's so thank amazing. You. Thank you. On the Brink 87 and everybody else, that was cool to bust through the 700 barrier on air. On our way to 1,000. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Now we need less than 300. Look at it that way. Mm-hmm. 298. I'm giving some of my stuff away. <laughs> All right. He'll give you the shirt off his back, people. <laughs> so, in addition to comic book, this is what I'm talking about. Everything's coming out right now, Sean. So, the other thing is, over the past, actually over the past like three or four weeks, um... They've been releasing all these different book solicitations. Um, uh, DK's coming out with one of their kind of traditional encyclopedias to He-Man. And then we've got three storybooks that are coming out. 
there's the heroes and villains of the Masters of the Universe. Uh, there was something about, like, what was it? The Secrets of Grayskull or something? Dang it. I forget the other one. Um, and then the one that we know the most about right now is He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Orko's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I post this up on the group. I got it up on screen here for our YouTube watchers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this book is by Tom Engelberger. He's an award-winning author-illustrator. Uh, he brings Mattel's Masters of the Universe together for a new adventure in the first book of this middle grade series. I assume they mean like middle school. Uh, yeah, like ages 8 to 12 is mm-hmm. what this is looking for. Uh, it's black and white illustrations without 176 pages. So kind of like those She-Ra and the Princesses of Power uh, books that came out while that show was on. And it's it doesn't have a cover yet, but it's definitely using that CGI He-Man logo on it. And the description is, Full of sorcery and epic showdowns, this highly illustrated novel introduces young readers to the masters of the universe, starting with Orko, a zany techno-magician who is one of He-Man's closest allies. Author Tom Engelberger brings his signature humor, crafting ability, and wit to this series starter, perfect for young fantasy and superhero fans. So, thoughts? I I have to say that it made me happy to say we might have called what this show is going to be about, <laughs> reading that, because sure. uh, that... That was the main thing, the techno magician part. Mm-hmm. And we already had that talk about, you know, it, it, in Thor, they talked about, you know, magic being science that hasn't been figured out yet and all that. Right. And, and I, we were saying the same thing, like that could be the way that they do their in for kids is making it about the technology angle, just like uh, Shira did. Right. And it looks like that's probably, I, I'm not going to say it's definite. Right, but I'm but saying I, it probably is the lead-in to make it that this is how they're using magic in Masters of the Universe on this series. And I think it's probably going to make Orko pretty integral to the plot. Seeing now he's a techno magician, and I just had this feeling that there's everything seems to do these collecting stories nowadays. Like we got to get all of this, or we've got to, you know what I mean? So I can see them trying to collect these different artifacts of power, and Orko kind of being the one to. You know, if, if Grayskull's source of power is these ancient technological relics, then wouldn't a techno magician be kind of integral to the plot? I mean, sure. So, I, and I'm just throwing stuff out there. Um, the interesting thing that caught my eye is Orko is spelled with a hyphen in it now. Mm-hmm. And if you look closely at the text, the second O is not an O. It's O-R-K hyphen zero. And it... Uh, uh, <laughs> Sean's like, who cares? Um, no, I, I actually like that little detail too because it, it leads more into where is this one going? You know, well, the and that's the thing. And the, the I'm wondering... Realm, you know? I'm wondering, is Orko going to be a robot? You know, well, C-3PO, R2-D2, Orc-O. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, some sort of magical living robot. 
Possibly like it, the other thing I'm almost picturing it like um, man at arms being the inventor. If they don't change that too much and they keep him as the inventor mm-hmm. or co this version could be kind of like dummy or something the way that he was with Iron Man and Tony working in his lap, you know, like okay. the, the dummy robot yeah. was the one armed robot that would help him. I almost picture it a little like that, where maybe he is somebody that's working with Ant-Man at arms to unlock the ancient power of whatever artifacts they're doing or whatever. And I like that personally, if that, and granted, again, all us just kicking around what this is going to be, not, not a definitive, this is who he's going to be. But if they went that route with him, I'd actually enjoy seeing something different as an upgrade to right. him in that way rather than you know just the court jester the way yeah. that he always was portrayed and i guess i guess that's the biggest thing to me it's like at first i thought it was just the hyphen but then and then i thought maybe that one zero was a mistake but every sentence in there if you look that is a zero that is never an o and that it oh that can't be that big of a mistake there's a reason hmm. for it and i know somebody threw out there well it's probably just copyright issues but I don't see that because they just released the Origins Orco and it was traditional O-R-K-O. So mm-hmm. obviously they could they could use regular Orco like that up until, you know, a month or so ago when that figure came out. So this this definitely has to be something unique. There has to be a reason for it. And I'm good with that. Like, like I am all ready for a breath of fresh air, a new master's story, especially since we're getting Revelation, which is going to be for us. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested. I'm hyped. I can't wait to find out the answers to these questions. And I love the idea of a book series that's kind of taken you, from the sounds of it, it's going to take us one by one through the different masters and give them their own little stories. I've been campaigning for that since day one of this podcast. <laughs> Sean knows that. <laughs> yes, I want I to see a, a Stratos adventure, a Man at Arms adventure, an Orco adventure. You know, take mm-hmm. me all the way through. Hit some of the Evil Warriors too. I mean, and this is great. I know, you know, I didn't necessarily care for the Netflix Shira series. My son came home from the Scholastic Book Fair with with a book now and again. He's he had a few of them, so. Again, Mattel really seems to be trying to lean into this and be like, how can we get this out there for kids? Because Scholastic mm-hmm. Book Fair is still huge, at least in my area. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, again, I, I've said it on the, the show in the past. I'll say it again. If they're leaning towards this techno side of things on this new show, put your money where your mouth is, Mattel, and start doing a video game concept for one that's, of the versions of Masters that's out there. Because I still believe I, I, my kids do love storybooks about characters that they love. I mean, yes. we have Ghostbusters, Spider-Man, uh, Ninja Turtles. We have the He-Man Golden Books and all that stuff. But if they came up with a a Masters video game that ties in with the fact that we're talking technology on this new series, at least as the possible, this is what magic is on on this version of Eternia. It's like you're missing the boat if you don't do something with that finally because it's there. Let's do it. You know what they need to do, and we've had this discussion a lot, but yes, we need a video game. We need a nice console, robust video game, probably RPG style or or MMORPG. 
But really, they also need to get a mobile game out there. Do something like Marvel Legends or that Turtles or Power Rangers where it's like just that 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 fighting game where you can unlock all the different characters, you know, you know the style I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um that that's another big thing. Get get a mobile game out there. And those things are fun because yeah, as you as you play it, you can put together whatever era you want. Like the Turtles, you can unlock the movie Turtles. You can unlock the Nickelodeon Turtles. You can unlock the Michael Bay Turtles. You can unlock the uh, you know, the Fred, Fred Wolf, the original animated series. Yeah. Turtles, you know, you and you can do whatever you want. So right there, you do something like that. Such a simple concept. They've already got the framework for it. All, the, all those games are built off the same framework. You know, same mm-hmm. with the Marvel game. It's like you can get colossus and any of his outfits or you know all the gene grays so you've got your older fans who are playing it unlocking you know the filmation stuff or the savage stuff and then you got the new kids that are getting their netflix stuff and it's like god that's a a no-brainer exactly i I mean my kids they play games on the ipad but they also want to sit and play games on you know xbox or whatever too you know you need them both Exactly. So, I mean, yes, I know we're talking about storybooks, but it's like that would be another way. And to me, it's I I know there's people out there that would say, oh, a video game is going to take away the creativity for a kid to have the imagination. And my argument against that is, but what that does is it makes a kid curious about characters they're using in the video game that might interest them because the powers that they're using make them more appealing. That's how my daughter got really sucked into Scarlet Witch. And now she's watched everything Scarlet Witch related, and she's one of her absolute favorite characters because the game made her go, well, who is this character? And we went through the story to show her this is who Wanda Maximoff is. And it, it's, it doesn't hurt. And same with Batman. Batman, it was uh, the Arkham City games and the Arkham Asylum that my kids now know all these different characters that Batman is, is right. related to or, or fighting against. And they get excited hearing their names. It's like, that's the per. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to promote your line nowadays is put them in a video game. And then the kids are going to be like, this character is the one that I love. I'm going to get him off the shelf and then I can play with him however I want to, instead of following what the game is telling me or whatever. And, and it's, and it's going to, it's going to hype them up for characters that haven't even been released yet. So it's building them in for what's to come. It's like, it's like, okay, yeah, we don't have a cyclone out in the toy line yet, but they look at how many downloads he has. It'll even gauge for them. It's like, Mm-hmm. Okay, look. Okay, who, here's the list of characters we haven't released yet in the line. Every all these kids are downloading Cyclone and Web Store. Well, we we should probably fast track them because those are the characters that kids want. You know, and exactly. It's free publicity. And speaking yeah. of characters that we want, I think that's a perfect segue <laughs> here. Um, that I am was getting, by accident, but yeah. <laughs> I am getting I am getting word from our producers that it is time for our, our break. So we'll be right back after these messages, and we're gonna be talking a little bit of toys and a little bit of characters. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Legends of Grayskull will be back right after these messages. Why don't we go and take these action figures? that helped shape us when we were kids and kind of go on a quest 
get the best figures, we can auction them off, and all the proceeds will go to Children's Health. We're here at Bounty Hunter Toys in Hamilton. Heroes Comics, baby. We're gonna check out Toy Society. Big fun in Columbus, Ohio. Today we're in Toronto, Ontario at Treehouse Collectibles. We got a near complete Whoa. vintage Star Wars collection. Jeff was so kind. He donated all these Marvel Avengers figures. Is it for sale? No, we're not selling ours. We had three, we sold two. Everything's for sale. Now, I think that I almost like She-Ra more than I do He-Man. Every choice that Jay makes will affect the auction outcome and in turn, impact the kids that the Children's Health Foundation support. The Child Life Program alone is about $700,000 a year. And so by Jay doing something like this, it's going to help support that and at the end of the day, allow kids to be kids. I'd love to see, I'd, I'd love, love to see $50,000. Just take somebody out of that pain. Take somebody out of that world. And if we can go out there, you know, and help, why wouldn't we do that? Jay's gonna be searching stores, basements, and attics for the rarest figures, the coolest play sets. This is the, the beginning, the clock's ticking now. It's the adventure of a lifetime for the most important toy ever, action figures. Action figures give you an ability to take home your favorite character in plastic form, put it in your pocket, put it on your shelf, and experience those characters through your imagination. The ones that were supported by cartoons, I just found you were able to then go back to your action figures and then continue the adventures. And these were our proxies into those worlds. So if you wanted to watch Turtles, you had half an hour after school. All the rest of the time, you the only way to experience Turtles was with the toys. That's all imagination. That's all a writer is. That's all you sit around in a writer's room and go like, what if you did this? Or what if you did this? Same thing kids do with action figures. So action figures are incredibly important. People in your life tell you that you need to get rid of them because you don't need them anymore. You know, you shouldn't be playing with them. You shouldn't have them. You're growing up. I never wanted to do that. It never felt right for me to get rid of this stuff. They, they felt like extensions of me. They represent feelings, emotions. They represent everything. There's more out there than just serving yourself. And now, back to Legends of Greyskull. Alright guys, welcome back to Legends of Greyskull podcast. We're running through episode 62. Uh, it's time for our big discussion right now. So, this is something uh, we came up with. We were talking about the toys and about the characters. And basically, we were discussing if you could only have a set amount of characters, who would they be? So who are your essentials? Um, and we decided on seven because it's a fun number. So coming up here, we're doing our seven characters that as long as we can get these seven characters in toy form we feel our collection is complete we're good with it if we can never get any more characters um, i'm interested to see what sean came up with and the one caveat we put in there was we took he-man and skeletor off the table 
because they're kind of, well, they are. They're the, the hero and the villain, the main guys of the story. So we're just assuming that those are included outside of our seven. Because um, mm-hmm. you have to have those for a collection. It's a waste of two slots if we sit there and Sean goes, well, my first is He-Man. Then I go, I agree. And yeah. My second is Skeletor. Yeah. And, you know, they're a given. They're there. Um, and we, we, we ruled out beasts, vehicles, everything. So this is just the the characters. The seven characters we want in toy form that where we would go, okay, I'm not, the line's done. But I got these seven characters, so I'm good. So yeah. uh, why don't we try bouncing back and forth? Sean, who is your first character that you would want to get in a line outside of He-Man and Skeletor? Um, I did mine in no particular order, but the first one on my list is, is uh, Manny Faces. I knew you would have Manny on there. I love that guy. And the, the best part about it is... You have that one figure, you got three options. So <laughs> technically, you have, if you have He-Man, Skeletor, you got five characters then with yeah. one other figure added to the mix. <laughs> Let me ask you that right quick. Did you, well, you're not really a mint on card guy, are you? Unless I don't know you at all. Um, I typically am not, but I have kept some things mint on card. Okay. If you were to have Manny Faces mint on card, would you feel the need to get three of him, you know, with, because the, some th- they have all the different, uh, head positions? No. And okay. that's just, my OCD would be off the charts if I did that to myself. <laughs> no. I, I, honestly, if I had him anyway, I, I would like it to be the human face showing because that's the Me way too. that I standardly uh, think of him. But yeah, it's, it's still it. fun to go, beast, robot, man. You got no. it, you know. Yeah, and if I, if I was collecting a Minon card, I would do the same thing. Because to me, the human is like his regular, you know, yeah. form. Mm-hmm. And then, but I would never feel the need to have three of them. But and, uh, nothing nope. against you guys that do. But just just our personal preference. No, I I couldn't do it personally, but I know there are people that do it. And it's hey, that's awesome. If if that makes you happy, go with it. So he was not on my list. He I, he actually wasn't even a runner up. He was not. Uh, I he's you and me have such a different. That's we we agree a lot on this show. But you and I definitely have interesting character choices with the ones that are the mainstays of our fa- favorites. Well, and so, it's yeah. and it's weird because Manny Faces to me is an integral part of the story. He's one of the core heroes to me. And like if there's a series, he definitely needs to be in there. But I can give or take him as far like if I only had a limited number of slots, mm-hmm. I'm good without him. He doesn't even enter into the the thought process. So sure. Um, I'll just get my obvious one out of the way first because, it, uh, again, no particular order, same as you, but this one's obvious. Uh, my boy Cyclone. He, he has oh, been a mainstay since I was a kid. <laughs> the spinning feature, the colors, the look, everything about him I love. Um, you know, even Rodriguez did my avatar based on cyclone i mean it's i think Mm -hmm. it's no secret i love the guy and i've got to get him in any form he's put out in (laughs) nice um so i assume assume he wasn't on your list at all no he's not on my list actually um my list ended up being weird in certain parts because i'm like really going i'm like i don't want to go to the typical ones and i and i kept thinking okay across even even across vintage 2000x and classics because mm-hmm. those are the main ones i collected 
I'm like, which ones really were the ones that I had to get each time around? And that was an interesting one to even deep dive in my own head about. So next on my list, it's going to, the heroes ended up being at the beginning of the list just for the whatever. I don't know. Uh, Next one on mine is buzz off. Amazingly. Okay. Okay. I, I would have never, if you would have made me do it just really quick, say who you like, I probably wouldn't have named him. Yeah. When I thought about it a little more, I'm like, I had him in vintage. I had him in 2000 X and I had him in classics. And I'm like, there's something to that yellow and Brown color scheme. And plus he had the, the, uh, the techno wings and 2000 X was one of my favorite interpretations of them looking more insect like and all that. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't realize it, but yeah, I think, I think I do need a buzz off in there because of just his brightness and, that he he does stand apart with those wings and everything being no, he, part of the figure. He was he was a runner up. He was close to making the list, but he got he got edged out. But he is he's a unique oh, okay. character. He's had some. Uh, I think the biggest thing is he's varied so much. So I can't decide what my what my buzz off is. I think that's probably what kept him off my list because you know regular two thousand X and then even classics. I feel they're very different looks so i think to me it comes down to how he looks you know Mm -hmm. so he's not necessarily for me a a a must-have no matter what sure um next up for me uh, i'll go to a villain here and that's going to be uh too bad and this is one kind of like kind of like your buzz off i it's when i really sat down and thought about him he was one of my favorites as a kid i never thought I, i know people nowadays go oh yeah he was dorky he just punched himself it's like I never saw him as that. I was always the bear hug guy or him beating up on two heroes at the same time. Like, he's another one. Play That play action for, as a kid really stuck with me. He was fun mm-hmm. to play with as a kid. When 2000X came out, he, like, blew me away. He's one of my favorites of that line. Um, mm-hmm. And then the classics is amazing. And I've always been, looking back, when I think about it, it's like I've always been really excited to add him, even though he doesn't pop to my head first so he's one no matter what i have to get him Mm -hmm. well i'll admit it he's actually on my list too so there we go we got a common ground already now what now what were so go ahead what were your what were your reasons for too bad then uh when i was a kid i loved uniqueness i I, like when i was a kid uh i I know i liked mr spock on star trek why Mm because he wasn't human he was a unique character on the crew so Mm -hmm with with anything it's like the uniqueness sometimes is the thing that really really kicks in with my memory and i remember like too bad came at the same time of me getting into like the the second and third series of the of the brand and that was that was like fun because it felt like anything was possible and the idea here's a two-headed evil warrior Mm -hmm, coming mm -hmm. out and stuff and then on top of that um he was one of my favorites to play with when i was a kid and i did not do the punching him in the face either that was no. just you know for <laughs> me it was like he'd swing it out and he'd knock somebody down or yep. whatever and and that, like you said the bear hug um 2000x kind of solidified it for me because i love the tuvar badra yep. the, the bounty hunters being merged together that was i still want those figures for classics and yes. and even um uh on a personal note 
I was trying to get uh, something from someone who was selling on Facebook one day and he had, it was Panthor and he had too bad that he was offering. And I actually reached out to him and, and I'm like, you know, there's a couple I'm interested in, but you know, price wise, could we work together on something? And I, I ended up, I wasn't able to afford too bad, but I managed to get um, Panthor and yeah. I did mention to you, you know, it's like, I lost my job the other week. So this is like my big finale of being able to buy anything when i got the package because he still had the box for panthor there was a note saying there's something there's a surprise for you inside open it up and there's too bad and panthor in the box oh wow so yeah i i was like beyond shock and he's like he's like i fell in hard times too master's rule you know master's <laughs> forever and I, nice. I i literally was just in awe that he even did that and that now it's like I have a different reason each time why that character has been a unique or, you know, uh, lasting character in my mind. So, nice, yeah. Nice. All right. Who you got next? Next is a given for you. Probably it's Fisto. Yeah. Um, I thought you'd bleed I, with him. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's between Manny Faces and Fisto with the good yep. guys all the time. And, it's like Manny faces he he always edges him out just a little bit more because he's the zanier looking guy. But Fisto is always going to be that like right next to him, and he's the rough and tumble bar brawler guy that I, right. I always think is fun to put in next to him. And being it's like he would be the I, I always say one dar is the Han Solo to he man. But if you don't have one dar on the table, Fisto is the Han Solo. He man is the Luke Skywalker. And you go into battle with them, and it's like nobody's nobody is going to fight those guys. They're all afraid of them, you know. Absolutely, so, big fan. All right, next on mine, another obvious one for Sean, at least, and that's mm-hmm. my heroic firefighter Snout Spout. <laughs> I knew it. I he knew is. It. <laughs> he's just he's so unique. I didn't have him as a kid, but I wanted him so bad, and he's just. He always looks amazing. He's a great character, and no collection is complete without him. <laughs> yeah, I actually, because of you, I got Snout Spout in my collection. I'm like, I got to <laughs> represent you on this shelf somehow, so I got ah, that. Nice. So uh, he did not make my list. Um, right. But somebody that did is actually the uh, other side of the coin to Fisto. Jitsu made my list. Oh, interesting. And and part of it is if you have a collection and you have He-Man and Skeletor, it's kind of fun to also have another rivalry in there so that you know there's a bad guy and a good and a good guy that go head to head, and it's not just mixing and matching who gets to fight who. And for me, it's definitely like I I think Jitsu from you know the Vac Metal when we were kids on his on his glove to the way that they over detailed him and made him like a samurai shogun warrior in 2000X and then keeping a little mixture of both in classics. Yeah. Every time he is one of those figures where he is worth a look at, in my opinion. And if you have a Fisto, in my opinion, then you got to put Jitsu in there because it just, it's the yin and the yang kind of thing. So I like it. I like it. He did not make my list, but... <laughs> That's uh, Next, we'll go to an evil warrior, and this one I know will not be on your list. Uh, but again, playability. Love this guy as a kid, uh, and that is the mighty Whiplash. 
That yeah, he won't strike. be on my list. <laughs> that, that tail, man, I love whipping that tail around. He had that unique <laughs> face and look, and he's very demonic. Um, I just got the classics figure of him, and he is phenomenal. Uh, Whiplash, amazing guy. Amazing character. Okay. 2000X really took it to the next level with the spiky tail and the even more uh, dinosaur you know, physique. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, he's, he's an amazing figure. I got to pick him up every time. So next on my list was Too Bad, so we've already touched on that. So I'll go to the one after Too Bad. And that is Trapjaw. Okay. You sure you don't mean Triclops? No, I mean Trapjaw for one. Okay. Because I always do that. I always do that. He he has, for for the listeners and and viewers, Matt has at least 50 messages in his messenger where I have said, I mean Trapjaw, why do I do that? Every time. I always do that to myself. Every damn time. And it's because of the TR, and then my mind just goes in the wrong direction every time. I might need to get my brain checked one of these days. But, uh, yeah, Trapjaw. We like it how you are. I love uh, every iteration of him yeah. has been interesting to me. And like oh, when I definitely. was a kid, he he was he was such a a creepy looking villain to have right there with Skeletor, mm-hmm. and, and I loved it. Uh, in filmation, they made him one of the core evil warriors, so he was always showing up one way or the other, uh, usually in in episodes. And then 2000X for me was like, that's the pinnacle of the the Frankenstein vibe that they made him look like, which I had, and the steampunk uh, kind of feeling. And then with classics, I'm still not as wowed by the classics as I am by 2000X, but the fact that you can open his mouth and there is like a weird tongue in there is Mm -hmm. enough to make you go, oh, that's just shit. (laughs) And, And I also... I, one version that I still wish I could have on my shelf that I don't have is that PowerCon three pack with Prince yeah. Adam, mini comic Trapjaw, and mini comic uh, Stratos because I still love that that was the version of him that I got to know when I got the figure. And there's that mini comic, and I never really took it as a well. Why is his colors different from there to there? I just, <laughs> like, all right, cool. I have the figure. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, man, it would be cool to have both versions in the on the shelf, just you know, like before and after or something yeah. like that. You know, no, I like it. You know, surprisingly, Trapjaw did not pop up. Like I didn't even think about him. Interestingly enough, even though he has always been an amazing figure, yeah. it's a very hmm. interesting exercise. Well, um, I, I I think when we're finished, we should also talk about ones that almost made the list too. Now that you mentioned a couple, I'm curious to see maybe like three that you almost yeah. had on the list. I've already mentioned you got, a couple. If you remember yeah. them, um, next for it. me is your usual mispronunciation, and that is Triclops. I that <laughs> he has always intrigued me. He was one of my favorites as a kid. I was always disappointed that. You know, I only saw him a couple times on Filmation growing up, and he's he's one I always have to have. He's just he's a simple swordsman with a cool action feature, and he's one of the ones who it seems no matter what he retains his action feature because it's so simple. You know, even classics did it, and uh, yeah, the, the 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 simple design that that green sword. He's just he's tops in my book. I think with with him. The mini comic version uh, was always the one that I think is the most fun to imagine because once he got on filmation and 
even 2000X, there was like, it, it never really gelled to me his role compared yeah. to like tra- Trap Jaw or Beast Man or whatever. And I, I still like that. Like you said, he's like the Ronin character. He's out there yeah. as a bounty hunter or whatever. And that, I, I feel like that would have been a really, really iconic way to, to view that character. But unfortunately, the other materials never really went there the way no. the mini comic did. So, yep, yep. All right. So the last one, because we've already talked about too bad from my list, is actually, and, and I, I'm that guy now. I've, I've, I guess I drank the Kool Aid on this. Scareglow. Wow. I really love that figure. The, I mean, I, I never had the vintage, so I can't really say anything about that, but. Uh, like 2000X, I love the the redesign they did in the uh, Power of Fear comic that we reviewed, mm-hmm. and I I absolutely love the classics figure. I think it's one of my absolute favorites in the line. And I, at the time, it was really he's worth <laughs> that much. And then once you get him, it's like I could see why he's worth this much. He's kind of special in that way. And uh, mm-hmm. and even in Origins, I do have him there now. Yeah, and. Yeah, I, I just like the idea of what he does and the look of him, and there is this like creepiness to him that that is inherent to the character. That I think it's it's definitely awesome to have him on the bad guys. Well, that that is surprising. I did not think he would show <laughs> up on your list. So that's that, that's different. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I got two left because yep. I hit the one that was on yours, but none of yours hit on mine. We're like family feud on this one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So real quick here, wrapping up my two. um, Cobra Khan. Uh, Cobra Khan, he's he's the original Snake Man. He's he's a great design. Classics took him to the next level. I love the hood, and he's just... uh, Same thing. I sprayed my sisters with with his mist all the time. It was... uh, (laughs) He was just one of the one of the perennials of you know I was always pulling him out of the toy bin to play with and I've gotten every iteration since and he just he always looks awesome so mm-hmm. um, and then my last one to wrap it up uh, a bit more mainstream than all the others but I just I feel no collection is complete without her and that is the sorceress I I'm just I'm so filmation. The sorceress, even though a lot of people say she doesn't do much, she is just so essential to the story for me. I have to have her. And she was way back when, when I thought I was only going to get away with owning like five or six classics, she was one where I, from the beginning, I was like, if they do a sorceress, I have to have her. Because hmm. I, I just feel she's that pivotal to the storyline. Okay. Nicely done. Do you remember so, doing the two? We talked about maybe the two that you... Yeah, I you, thought you'd want to do... Because I mentioned a couple of my runners-up. I can't remember any others. What were a couple of your runner-ups that almost made the list? Uh, runner-up-wise, I was I was saying like the two that it's like your collection is fine even if you don't have them. Do you remember about Yeah, that? yeah, we'll do that in a second. Okay, okay. I was okay, just okay, curious okay. about your runners-up so, first. So runner runners-up, I, I actually was thinking Tila because she's yeah. one of the main core characters as far as I was concerned. And plus... Like Manny faces, you have Tila. You could also make her into the goddess because of the snake armor. <laughs> if you want to go, so you got two figures and one there. Um, I had Beastman on the list for a little while because I've had every version of him. Yeah, but then I'm like, 
he's one of those characters that I have him, but he just kind of is there usually because it's, you know, I, I liked it better with something unique about the character from a visual standpoint. And another one that I was actually tempted to put on was uh Ram man. Yeah. He was close for me too. So, yeah. Yep. What about so, you? Yeah, that, you? Yours were, that's, you said you almost said, who was it? There was one. Oh, Buzz Off. You Buzz said Off was close. Ram Man was close. Man at Arms and Tila, I, I, they were more like I almost felt I had to because of how they were in almost. They're in almost every episode of any iteration yeah. and everything. But at the same time, I was kind of like, you know what? But they are like everywhere. I don't know. I'm like, if I can only have X amount of figures, I want the most unique ones. I want the most different um i don't know i just i just like if i can only collect a few things i want my collection to be a little more eclectic than just like yeah here's the big names here's he-man skeletor man at arms tila you know exactly like i said i don't even like how all the toy lines have to start out like that i wish they would save a man arms or tila for like later like release cyclone wave one and save man at arms for like wave five you know, because once mm-hmm. he comes out, everyone's going to get him anyways. Why do you need mm-hmm. to release all the the biggest names right away? You know, sprinkle in some oddballs sooner. Yeah. So I now, as we were talking about that, Sean came up with another little uh, <laughs> brain exercise. Yeah. Um, since we were talking about the ones we, we felt were essential to our collections, then who are two? We, we only did two, I think. Two, right? I've we got two. Further. So um, two that if you never got to put them on your shelf, it wouldn't really ruin your day. Your collection would still be complete even without those figures. But the caveat I threw out there was they can't be... They got to be at least somewhat mainstream. They can't. I mean, you can't throw like Psy Chop and uh, yeah, you know, Spector yeah. out there. You've got to, yeah. you know, you've got to do something more, more, more mainstream than that. Which I think I might have cheated a little bit on one of mine, but I'll let you decide uh, on that. All right. But all I, right. but I was going along that basically like a lot of people like these. They they're demanded even, and but. You know, to me personally, eh, I could take them or leave them. Yep. So, All what right. do you got first? Uh, first, I have Whiplash. Oh, <laughs> which we've had that talk yep. privately, but that doesn't know, surprise you, me. <laughs> you, you usually are like, you didn't like that. You didn't I, think that he could hit people with the tail. And it's like, I don't know how anybody <sighs> could not like him, but Sean could take him or leave him. I could, I could definitely take take Whiplash or leave him. So, what's what's one on yours then? What you want to go this, back and forth? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, always. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with, and this is. This is a bit more obscure, but I feel he is still a demanded character. If you say it doesn't count, I've got a backup. But okay, I'm going to go with the Red Beast Man. This that is one Mm. where everybody is always like, you know, oh, I need that Red Beast Man. I need that Red Beast Man. I mean, look at how much. I mean, he's he's been the the PowerCon exclusive. He's been the you know loyal subjects did one. I mean, they're already talking about origins is going to do them and that's one where everybody really could go for any of those kind of repaints the camo cons the you know 
stuff like that. But Red Beast Man, I feel, is one where everyone's always like, oh, we have to have a Red Beast Man. And I'm just sitting there like, eh? You know? Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you don't want to take that, really Beast Man himself. Like, I, I, I recognize his spot in the story. And I would agree he's like Skeletor's, like, right-hand henchman. But there's just some... And I've always had him. But mm-hmm. I honestly, at the end of the day, he's kind of like Whip, Whiplash is for you. I could... Beastman as a whole, I could really take him or leave him. If I can add him to my collection, awesome. But he's mm-hmm. never very high up on my list. So if you want me just to say Beastman, I'll just say Beastman. No, but... Be- Beastman works because I, I kind of looked at it as, you know, if it was yeah. a readily available figure and, and when you were talking exclusive. But no, Beastman in general, that's... He came close to being on mine, like I said, but then there's too many other unique characters yeah. that I'm like, Beastman's just kind of, like I said, he's just kind of there. He's just kind I, of there. I, and he pl- he plays it, yeah. an integral role. His powers are cool. His design's cool. But I'm just like, eh, I'll put him on my shelf, but I'm never like, oh my God, Beastman's coming out. Sorry, well, Mike it, Alexander, it, if you're listening to this. <laughs> that's just how it is. I, the, the, I think for me, at least with his power set, just going, yeah. going here, it's like it's it's a cool power set if you have beasts to use with him. And the problem is, and we've they, talked about that previously, that the original line didn't. And classics, at least, we got some shadow beasts and stuff. So and and Gygor, we could actually have Gygor be part of it too. But we never had anything for him to manipulate to make an army out of True. for Beast Man to Maybe. have. Here's this wrecking crew of his of all these animals and beasts from Eternia so it's like he's that just kind of there part with of his it. whip you know yeah. and then okay you know so that's I think that kind of melted my brain when I was a kid about it and it's like he's scary looking but that was about it you know? <laughs> go with that because that's one of my number one complaints from the vintage line is that they never came out with any creatures so yeah exactly. you know, and, and as you look at all my lists everything goes back at its core to that to my memories as a kid, you know, like like mm-hmm. a lot of fans, it's you know those characters I played with the most are still with me to this day. So sure. who's, your, who's your second character you could uh, give a credit about? The the second one is the one that I was thinking about for classics and going. I completely forgot. I actually had him for a little bit and I I traded him and he, I never felt the sting of it. Mm-hmm. Stratos. Okay. Yeah, and, I can and, see that. I, I was priding myself on having the core original characters and classics, and I do just know Stratos. I have, I have, and you're done. I, I love them. But, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like Stratos for me is like he, and I'm not trying to go Joe Amato about it. It's just Stratos <laughs> was always the color scheme. The color scheme never spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and on top of that, like there wasn't, there wasn't an accessory. So he's basically, okay, here's a guy that just, he flies in and, yep. you know, like he might pick somebody up and fly them out. And it's like that kind of a character never really appealed to me uh, without having an extra something else yeah. in, in, than just flying, you know? So no, yeah, I, can... I, I, I completely, this is what made me ask that question. Cause I was like, yeah, Stratos, he should be like right up there. Right, and I don't even consider them. And it's like my, my collection's That's almost true. done, and Stratos isn't even there on the shelf downstairs. Uh, for me, this is—I think it's a fan-demanded character, and I every time a line comes up, you hear a lot of buzz asking for him. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, eh. Uh, and that is Mosquito. I. It's, <laughs> 
it's it's a I don't know, the blood pumping feature, it's a neat feature, but to me it's not, I mean, it's no glow-in-the-dark or, or, you know, spinning yeah. fists or anything. Um, I didn't have him as a kid, and honestly, the design of him, it, it really doesn't do much for me. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's not, I, if anything, I like the 2000X design more, where he's a bit more insect-like and kind of more of an evil buzz-off. I think they, that got closer, but generally, you know, besides that line, they go vintage, and the vintage mosquito are just kind of this blocky thing where just looking at him without knowing his name, I would not think mosquito. You know, mm-hmm. I, there's nothing really... Even the helmet, it's like once you know what he's supposed to be, it's like, oh, yeah, I see it, but it just it's not quite there. So he's just mm-hmm. a character like, you know, if I get him, I get him. If not, eh, oh, well. I'm, I'm completely agreeing on that one. And honestly, um, <laughs> the, the person that kind of put me over the top about my not <laughs> interest in it was Pixel Dan. I heard him so the much talk about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I don't get it. I truly don't get it. Like, <laughs> Mosquito was so far at the end of that line. Yeah. But but the thing is, um, Scareglow being at the end of the line too, yeah. Ninjor, who he's taken a place on my shelf. Yep. I really like him. And Clamp Champ, those are ones that I'm like, yeah, I would yeah. still love more with the, these. But Mosquito, yeah, never, ever, never yeah. on the radar for me either. So yeah, take them or leave them. And close, yeah. close for me was Drag Store, but I feel he's not loved enough to make the list. Whereas Mosquito is the the that's what beat Mosquito beat out Drag Store because I feel Mosquito is the more loved of the characters because there's always beyond Pixel Dan, there is a, always a lot of push for a Mosquito. Mm-hmm. So. cool there you have it folks there's our <laughs> list i'm getting the signal we got one more commercial break then we're coming back to wrap this up with all your listener feedback and questions stay tuned we'll be right back after these messages legends of grayskull will be back right after these messages For the past 70 years, there have been cartoons on TV. And if you were born sometime after the 1950s, chances are you watched cartoons on Saturday morning, after school, or even during primetime in the evening. But how much do cartoons affect you? How important are they? Did they change the course of your life? For James E. Talk, that's exactly what happened. My name is Gen Zetop and I created an unofficial He-Man cartoon with a small group of friends titled The Return of Faker. What is Return of Faker and what is going on with it? The, the Return of Faker was a filmation, I guess homage, or a love letter to the filmation cartoon that myself and Dusan Mitrovich kind of came up with. Let's, let's, let's bring the toy accurate Faker to the filmation cartoon because the He-Man episode was originally just he-Man with glowing eyes. Well, how come I can't watch it? NBC Universal one month before sent a cease and desist saying, you know, this is our property. You cannot uh, show this for free anywhere. And if I did show it anywhere for free, I would face a lawsuit and be fined $150,000. Despite the current situation, I really want the return of Faker to be released officially or endorsed by the rights holders. How am I going to do this? Well, 
and determined to get as much support as possible from significant people, those that have worked on the brand and the wider He-Man and She-Ra community in general. Now, as I record this, I've no idea whether or not this is going to happen, but maybe together we can make the return of Faker happen. And by together, yeah, I'm looking at you guys. With all your support, the return of Faker can maybe become official because it's f***ing good. So while we document James's journey to try and officially release his cartoon, plus the process he used to make it, we'll also delve into the history of cartoons, and in particular, the rise and fall of Filmation, the pioneering animation studio that created He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, as well as many other landmark shows. So if you love cartoons and hearing insights from industry professionals, you won't want to miss this all-encompassing documentary. And now, back to Legends of Greyskull. Welcome back, everybody, to Legends of Greyskull podcast, episode 62. We just finished up our list of characters we must have and two we could not care less about. Um, and now it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the show. Sean, take it away. Listener feedback. Questions and comments. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, did, did we get any this week? We we I got liked a your, couple. This I liked week. your picture. That yeah, was I was nice. looking wistful this week while I was waiting for my wife to drive by and pick me up uh, in, in a parking lot. So there, I used that time <laughs> to do the listener question of the week. Nice. Uh, so Andrew Bowers wrote in. The, the basic question was what we just covered. What would be your magnificent seven? I was calling it of. Uh, master's figures that you would need in your collection now, and any other comments or feedback on top of all that. So you want to run through those who said theirs first, since we just came off of that, and then we'll get to the actual questions. It actually flows nicely the way okay. it worked out. So we'll, we'll get that. No problem. So uh, for the figures, Andrew Bowers wrote in and said, and, and by the way, we did not give the listeners the caveat of no He-Man or Skeletor. So you're going to hear right. He-Man and Skeletor a few times. Andrew Bowers said He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, Trapjaw, Battlecat, which, yes, that was different than our list, but whatever, Beastman, Merman. And then he said nice. uh, his version of it then is he, it allows for customs so he can make other ones, which <laughs> nice. I was amused. He, he was he, he was being a little more liberal with that. but I'm He like, was hey, milking I'm it like, like you were with Manny Faces. The, yeah. the worker. But he did it where he said, uh, you know, obviously Panthor. Uh, you could do a Battle Cat into Panthor custom. Boss yep. Man with Beast Man. Uh, yep. Faker. Yep. Stinkor. And and so I was like, ah. and then and then he said, uh, also you could use uh, other characters like Web Store Cobra Khan and Whiplash for the Skeletor parts. So he yep. is he's thinking. He's so he was well, he was looking at more like toys. They're only going to release seven yes. figures in a toy line, it, yeah. and these are the yeah. ones he can get the most mileage out of sure, doing his sure. thing. And that's nice. uh, hey, if if you I like it. that route, that's also fine. I like I, it. I like the ingenuity in that one. Absolutely, good job, uh, Angel. Next one, Tony Crossland must have seven are He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, Evelyn, Stratos, Triclops, the Sorceress. Nice. Well, a lot of core, but a couple uh, mm -hmm. outliers there. I like it. Mm -hmm. Solid lineup. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Jason Torrance came back again this time Jason, and said, back. 
Yeah. Uh, he said, my top in no particular order are He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, Merman, Trapjaw, Beastman, and Ranman. Nice. Yep. All and board, actually... Solid list. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got some good storytelling with a lot of these yep. figures just based on, you know, whatever you want to do. You got the core guys here. And then uh, going down to the bottom, Skelevator actually threw one at us this week in nice. his Magnificent Seven. Are Stinkor, Beastman, Merman, Trapjaw, Skeletor, Mossman, and Orko. I was actually shocked to see Orko and Mossman showing up on that one. Even Stinkor, I think Stinkor's probably about mid-range for me. He wasn't quite a runner-up, but he was he he's a cool figure. So mm-hmm. it's a solid list. And this was all was his all villains except for Orko? No, because he put Mossman in there. Oh, Mossman, sorry. Because yep. I, I was but still, it was uh, just going to be villains. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's seven, so it's skewed one way or another. But I know when I was putting my list, I kind of wanted to get as close as possible. A three, four split, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know so he's just like, he loves the villains. As he you can does. tell by checking he out does. Motu Misfits. <laughs> That's true. Yes. So then... uh now with the questions and comments part, uh, Jason Torrance came back and did a second uh, reply and said, mm-hmm. I did have a couple of questions for the podcast. I figure you will probably cover this question, but I'm curious of your expectations for the prequel comic that was announced this week. I generally enjoyed the comic book stuff Kevin Smith has done in the past. Do you think his take will be darker than the 2002 series or will it go lighter to uh, go for a lighter tone? more in line with the 80s series. Uh, I could see him doing an edgier story for the comic book than the Netflix series because it is more likely to be bought by the older hardcore audience. So that was his first question. Okay. Um, I think we covered a little bit about our expectations earlier, but specifically for the tone, again, Kevin Smith is a writer, but he did not come up with the story necessarily by himself. Rob David, as always, plays a big part in that. So I'm thinking if you have read the Eternity War series, you basically got the tone they're going to shoot for. And I think, I, think it, the, I think the series and the comic are going to be about the same tone because this Revelation series as a whole is for us collectors. It is not for the kids. So mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see any difference. I think these two will flow very nicely one into the other. Um, and I'm, But I'm thinking Eternity War for Tone. Not, you know, R-rated, but a, a, a strong PG-13. Yeah. And I honestly, uh, just real quick with that idea, I honestly think whatever the tone is, they need to establish it in one and continue it no matter what. Yeah. I don't think they're going to change up the tone in the comic and then change it for the show. Because if you're reading the comic, you want it to feel like this is the show that you're going to be watching as well. So uh, the only thing that I'm curious about with that is based on Rob David and the work he already did with the eternity war and also how Kevin Smith is sometimes I'm curious if it's going to be quippy some with with some of the uh the back and forth between characters i think so especially i think especially outside of battle i could see a lot like i think adam and tila i think are going to have a really nice relationship in Mm -hmm. this one i think it'll be in some nice back and forths i can even see he-man and tila more in the the 
I don't know, Legolas and Gimli kind of popped to mind. How during battle, during the Peter Jackson movie, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings movies, how they were always kind of like, oh, I got seven, I got eight, I got ten. Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The kind of more comrade in arms, like, yeah, we're we're fighting, there's to the death but you know we're we're used to we've been through this together so we can keep it light and fresh which i'm good Mm -hmm. with i like that in my in my superhero stories and stuff like that you know i like when batman and robin are are getting on each other's nerves during a battle or you know robin's giving him a little bit of sass stuff like that Mm -hmm. um i think there's a place for that because i don't want this to be a super serious this is the end of the world story but probably will be an end of the world story because that's all they do anymore Mm. i don't need this like it's all or nothing i must protect this city at all costs there's no sunshine ever you know that's that's not the characters to me so but i think they'll find a nice middle ground and i honestly i haven't read any of kevin smith's comic book work but i've heard good things about it um for those of you listeners that have let me know what i should check out because i've been meaning to check out some of his stuff What's his best work, in your opinion? The I know he's done Spider-Man, Daredevil, Green Arrow. Uh, what should I check out to really get to know Kevin Smith's comic work? Uh, I I could throw a couple at you even Do it. right here. Uh, I enjoyed his uh, Green Arrow when he, he the the uh, Quiver Volume One for the when he rebooted the line. I liked that one, and his Marvel Knights Daredevil was pretty good too. Okay. The the Spider-Man stuff he did was okay, but my problem with it is there's definitely hints in it about, um, like, he did a Black Cat mm-hmm. uh, miniseries, for right. instance. And in that series, they made a, a, a character who basically plays her sexuality on her sleeve mm-hmm. into someone that you felt dirty looking at her in that way because of something he put into the story and that really was a downer for somebody. And it's not like I'm wanting to look at Black Cat as sexual. I'm just saying, like, how can, that how character, can you not? Exactly. <laughs> and then when you look at her and you think that what Kevin put into the story made you just go like, oh, now I feel dirty every time I see her show up at anything. <laughs> and that's not what. Yeah, uh, that's not a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. So I will his, say- his Green Arrow was really, really well done. Daredevil as well. So that's the one I hear the most of is his Green Arrow work. I was just curious mm-hmm. if anyone had any any other thoughts about it, you know. And sure. let let's address that right quick here, guys, because I am so sick of seeing online. And I'm not going to go deep on this, but stop saying, "Oh, great, here comes the 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 fart jokes." Okay, come on. Kevin Smith has had a long history a long career look up his imdb page he has done so much stuff if all you can look at when you see kevin smith and go oh here comes jay and silent bob like you're doing yourself a disservice because he has done so much stuff and he is a consummate professional and he when he needs to switch gears he can he can he can i've seen his cw stuff he's directed um and and in none of his Flash episodes is, you know, Barry talking about smoking a doobie or anything. You know, he knows when it's time to do the Jay and Silent Bob stuff, and he knows when it's time to do the Green Arrow stuff, and he is not an idiot, and I just, if I see one more person comment on this kind of stuff and go like, oh, great, Kevin Smith, get ready for He-Man to get high outside of Grayskull, it's like, 
come on, you're not doing anybody a service. Agreed. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually going to say the CW stuff should kind of prove it. Like when he's dealing yep. with a brand that is not his own view askew universe, it is legit. He's trying to make this as best as he can because right. he's a fan himself. And, you know, like it, t- take that how you will, the people that don't think it's going to work uh, when he's doing this. But I honestly don't think Mattel being where they are with this brand but to bring it back the way they're bringing it back right. is going to do it in that way. The exactly. only case in point you could see of that recently was how uh, Thundercats Roar was, was perceived <laughs> because yeah. that went way far off from what anybody wanted to see. And I hope that that never is something that comes back because, yeah, treat it the way that the fans would like to see it and, and let the new people see it the way the fans enjoy it. That's what exactly. matters. Not not doing this Teen Titans Go version of this stuff and have it be for a generation that they won't even understand what they, what made people love it to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's ever going to be the case in how he does stuff. No, I don't think so um, either. I have no worries. <laughs> And then uh, Jason's second question is, uh, he said, it's more generic. Uh, if there were, if they were to do a spinoff series, and we kind of ha- have done a little bit about this. If they were to do a spinoff series of a Masters of the Universe character, who would you like it to be? Um, I don't think it could be Man-at-Arms or Teela because their story is so connected to the main story. Right. I could see a Stratos storyline or a prequel focusing on the sorceress and her origins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said, what, what do we think? And thanks for taking my questions. And Jason, we're more than happy to take your questions. Feel free to yep. ask questions, throw comments anytime. Nope. And I, uh, I agree. It cannot be one of the main characters um, for that reason. You don't want to take them out of the main storyline. Uh, go ahead, Sean. Who, who, who's, bleh, who are you following? Well, I mean, my, my, my initial knee-jerk go-to is I want to see Fista with collecting dragon's eggs. Yep. Because yep, of the yep. Golden yeah, Book story. One. And uh, he is that guy. He's the he's the one that you could take him in any direction. Yeah. And it, you could fuel a heck of a cool story. And he makes a really cool, uh, a really cool hero by default without He-Man being there. Mm-hmm. Um and another one, I honestly like another one. I, I I would actually like to see almost like a trifecta. If if you did a Fisto one, it would be kind of cool to see Mech and Neck and Ram Man join in and let them have an adventure and just do their own thing for a, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know a three issue or four issue comic. That would be yeah. enough. Those names alone would make me go, "Gotta read this" because I right. want to see them a, apart from everybody else. Um, but yeah, Fisto initially, and then yep. even. Even someone like Buzz Off, doing oh, yeah. like a you know like Buzz Off's Pride, whether you love it or not, <laughs> it yeah. was fun to see Buzz Off have his own time to shine, and he doesn't really get that many times to shine like that. I agree with all of yours. Um, I probably would have picked one of them, but I'm not going to because you did. Sorry. So no, you're <laughs> I went, good. I went over. So I'm gonna no, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go unique here. Um, so if you're doing a prequel, I want to see. Orko's adventures on Trala before he comes to Eternia. That's what really? I want to see. Yeah. If you, I okay. mean, think, and I think that would really help a lot of these guys who are like, oh, Orko bumbling court gesture, stupid sidekick and stuff. Take him back to Trala before, give him a mini series, take him back to Trala, all these adventures at full power, full magic, learning under Uncle Montork. 
you know, fighting uh, Azrog and Spydra and all those kind of villains and creatures and everything, and then had the miniseries end where he goes through the portal, you know, and then okay. it, and then it picks up, you know, obviously in the main series. So, and that's how you get away with using Orko because he's too integral to plot. You take him back in his before days, sure. so you can. And, and really, it, it would only help enhance the character because then you really see everything that he's missing, how powerful he was, how loved he was, how celebrated. And then he comes to Eternia where he can't do basic magic anymore. I mean, that's yeah, that's a story. You know um, what that would remind me of real quick? Huh. That would almost be like Captain America First Avenger. Because like it would almost have that feeling of like, kind of the reverse that actually. Whole thing. Yeah. Like, well, well, no, 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 no. What what I mean by that is you get to mm-hmm. see him at his at his you know in the heyday and the, at the greatest and all the movies oh, okay, about yeah, him yeah. and the worship and all that stuff and everybody's cheering him on and then at the very end you have that moment with him right. and Nick Fury doing the I had a date and they could do you could do that really cool where it's right. like maybe he and Driel had something planned but he got sucked through the portal and yep. it's the whole. Everything he loses everything. Well, and but that's he gains it. a lot at, on the other side as well. It's it's you know, the that first would be a hell of a story. It's the first adventure. If when when Steve came to the future, he was back to that scrawny kid, and he lost all of his super soldier powers. Yeah, I mean yeah. that takes it even to the next level. That's what Orko's been exactly. through. All you guys who go, oh, he's just the annoying sidekick. You got no idea what Orko's <laughs> been through. And the other the other one I'm going to throw out here for fun. Um, I want, I want to see, uh, cause I thought they were always a great pair in vintage and I'd love to see kind of a, a mini series team up little buddy, not really a buddy cop duo, but that kind of vein, but I want to see it with uh web store and Cobra Khan and oh, really okay. flip the script and watch as they try and come up with their own plan to to d- defeat the masters or take over an air whatever but just look at it from their eyes and of them <laughs> getting beat up and everything you know I, I've, even as a kid i liked you know i liked the batman episodes where they would follow like harley quinn and poison ivy and you you know or the or the episode where they're all playing cards the villains are at the the whole episode and talking about how they almost had Batman this time and that time. Like, it's always interesting to me to take it and flip and see it from the villain side. You know, sure. so you've got Webster and uh, Cobra Khan, who had a great dynamic in, in the mini comics and in filmation. They always seem to partner up together and really just take it and see it through their eyes, how it feels to keep failing, you know, with their evil schemes. Well, I mean, 2000X really, really did a great job of what you're talking about with uh, not only the the Tuvar Badra episode, yeah. but in separation later on with right. the two of them. That one really but also uh, exactly, and also Stinkor. Yeah, so yep. I think I think there's definitely more than enough room that you could yep. do a story like that and have some fun with it. With yep. this, that's great. And I don't want them sympathetic. I want that. No, I do not want them sympathetic. These are two evil villains. Oh no! Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Nowadays, there's a lot of that where they're like, "Well, let's show why Web Store is really doing it." You know, mm-hmm. Cobra Khan's not evil. He's just misunderstood. No. These guys are evil. I just want to see them trying to be evil and failing from their eyes. There's a difference. I I, I would respect it just based on that alone because that's how I'd rather (laughs) see it myself too. Uh, So then last up here is, but not least, uh, Skelevator. 
Uh, we kind of covered this a little bit earlier. Uh, my questions. Number one, in regards to the Mignola variant art for the issue one of the Revelation prequel comic, I really like it. But I understand why folks wouldn't. Exactly. It's an odd take. How do we feel about it? we've already we we have already addressed that earlier. Yep. And uh, number two, wouldn't it be great to finally get a Motu spoof in Mad Magazine now that a new show is coming? Is Mad Magazine still around? I I want to say <laughs> I I don't know. I think I actually think Mad Magazine might not be around anymore. I know Cracked is over too because I was when I was a kid. Well, the magazine's over. Cracked still has a website. I know that. Yeah, Cracked has the website, but I think Mad actually closes doors. I want to say going going on ten years or something, but I could be completely wrong. Uh, they do have books available now. So okay, well then I guess MadMagazine.com. All right, I guess I'm wrong. I don't know if these um, are... They've got magazines on here. I don't know if they're new or if they're... Mad Magazine. On sale April 13, 2021. No, they're, they're still... Right. They're, they're still, still publishing. Kicking. Looks like they started over, though, because they're on... the Mad number 19 comes out in April. Uh, so it looks like they probably kind of... Uh, and every other month, because 18 came out in February. So it looks like they're bi-monthly, and it looks like they started over. Yeah, they went to 550 was their final issue in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then in, number one came out in 2018. So they just started over. They rebooted, I guess, because that thing has been around for decades. Right. And I, I could have swore they closed their doors, but I guess I guess they just rebooted it then. Um, I don't I actually did a quick search and um amazingly, I don't think they've ever touched Masters of the Universe in their spoofs. I think he's been like a background character or stuff, but they've never done a full like story. Like, I think there are, because I've seen stuff here and there. Maybe it was cracked. Maybe I'm confusing the two. But I I know there's been, like, references. But no, I don't Mm -hmm. think they've ever done a full on. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Bring it on. Uh, To Um, me, the only only bad publicity is no publicity. And I'd rather have it in Mad Magazine than actually have, like, uh, Thundercats Roar. Like that works for me. If it's in, if it's some like Robot Chicken, like those sketches are great. Even though I don't think all of them are funny, like that's the right spot to be like that. You know, if Robot Chicken does a joke about Mechanic's lame powers, I'm okay with that. But when you know the DC comic book took crack jokes about Mechanic's lame powers, I'm going. No, that's not the place for this. So, yeah, yeah, I'm all for parody and jokes as long as it's in the right format. And I think Mad Magazine is the perfect format for that. And I think if there's a live-action movie, they definitely will get uh, uh, something. You know? Sure. Yeah, I, I was almost, almost going to be the guy to say I'd hesitate to even worry about a spoof from my perspective because... 
I feel like the yeah. internet has done plenty of that <laughs> ever since the internet has been invented. But um, but having it where it's something in this vein is a little different than having somebody just come up with a meme right. and and take out the original mini comic writing and put in I fisted as hard as I could or you know right. that garbage like that has been out there. But uh, and then you know it's parody. Exactly. And it's dirty parody on top of that, too. It's like, I don't need that personally. And it's just, you know, I've never been the guy to really need that. Um, And honestly, like, I I was big into Cracked and Mad Magazine when I was younger, but I I haven't checked that stuff out in years. So if they did it, I'd be at least wanting to pick it up and see what they did. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And and I think think the biggest thing for me is it's one of those things. It's like, okay, if Mad's touching it, that means it's relevant again. Like on the, the yeah, page I got yeah. up here, you know, they've got they got a Pennywise cover and, you know, a Donald Trump cover and, uh, you know, stuff like that where it's like there's a Stranger Things cover. So if they're, that's the biggest thing to me, if they're doing it, it's like, same. It's, okay, Masters is legitimately a force again. Just like when Toy Fair was around, you could, there was a while there where He-Man was just, if they talked about him, he was the butt of every joke and they, mm. they sparingly mentioned him. And then 2000 came around and all of a sudden they started having like he man and everything that they parodied. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're relevant again. This is yeah. getting attention. So I'm all for it in that perspective and the format where people know it's parody because there are still people who take those Photoshop pages and like, look what they put out in 1987. It's like, no, didn't yeah exactly so, yeah i'm all for it bring it on the more the merrier mm-hmm. yeah Mu- right. muppet magazine did a good one too where they had kermit dressed up like dolph lundgren in the one and that abused the heck out of was me was that muppet magazine or was that actually in the masters of the universe magazine <sighs> i want to say it was muppets but maybe i'm wrong i think they covered a little bit of masters news back then for the movie but Nice. I don't know. I do remember. It's a good that. picture, though. As a either kid, way, I was like, eh, "That was cool." Yeah, so. exactly. All right, more questions. That's it. That's it. All, all right. right, all of them for the episode. There you go. And I think I think we hit it perfectly. I think we hit everything we got. So now, take it away, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Now that I don't jump again. All right, wrapping up episode 62 of Legends of Grayskull podcast with Matthew Duch and Sean Skavarna. So uh, thank you once again, 702 subscribers as of this episode. That is amazing. Um, Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook. And also, if you're not on Facebook, you can definitely get in touch with us, logpod85 at gmail.com, and we will get back to you. Um, check in for our next episodes and we're going to have uh, a little bit of fun coming up as well. That is a little bit of a sidestep from what we're doing here. So that'll be on our channel. Look forward to that. And uh, yeah. So hit the like button, subscribe, ring that bell. And if you're on any of the podcast apps, give us some ratings, give us some stars, Absolutely. give us some, thumbs up give us likes whatever it is on your podcast app we are thrilled to have ratings and just know that we're doing something whether you love it or hate it if you hate it 
creative and constructive uh, criticism, if I can get that out, is welcome so that we know what you don't like. And maybe we won't do it again, or maybe we will. Just to drive me nuts. It depends what mood we're in. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that is it. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Matt, anything? Nope, you're good. Okay. Then, until next time. Until next time, stay legendary. Oh, come on. Oh!